A lot of changes in the Martin home this year. Our youngest, Arlo, started kindergarten at Ruth Murdoch. And with him starting kindergarten, <clears throat> Brianna got a job and she is working as a sixth grade teacher in a Benton Harbor public charter school. And it makes some changes around the home. She has to be up and out of the house before the boys are even awake. So I have to get them ready for school. We've had limited success. <laughs> but we're doing our best. I also picked them up. And yesterday, as I picked them up, each and every day they jump into the car recounting the events of the day. And Arlo, even before he was in the car, he was telling me about the highlight of his day. And the highlight of his day is that some seventh graders were chasing him. <laughs> you seventh graders are here. I'm sorry. But Arlo said they weren't very fast. <laughs> he said, I was taking it easy on them and they still couldn't catch me. And then as to make matters worse, he said, they weren't even as fast as Emmett, his older brother. I said, but Emmett's really fast. Yes, that's why I said they weren't as fast as him, he said. But just to make sure that I understood exactly how things stood, he then looked me right in the eyes and he said, but they were faster than you. We all get reminders, don't we? Reminders that we're not what we used to be. Reminders that maybe we're not fast enough. Or reminders that we're not enough in some other area. Brene Brown, in her book, Daring Greatly, she wrote, our culture of scarcity is defined by this sentence, never blank enough. She said when she shares that with audiences, it only takes a few seconds for them to fill in that blank with what area they're not enough, never good enough, never perfect enough, never thin enough, never powerful enough, never successful enough. Never smart enough, never certain enough, never safe enough, never extraordinary enough. And as this has been on the screen, no doubt you have filled in the blank with your word. Because I know that I'm not alone in this. We all have those feelings of not being enough. We all operate with this mentality of scarcity where somehow there isn't enough. And so it changes the way we see ourselves and it changes the way we see others. We operate as though it's a zero-sum game. Do you know what I mean by that? A zero-sum game is 
a game where in order for me to get ahead, someone else has to get behind. For me to win, someone else has to lose because at the end of the day, the balance must be zero. We treat life as a zero-sum game. And so when we look in the mirror and we realize we're not enough, we start focusing on the faults of others. We start noticing other people's shortcomings. Well, I might not be the best at that, but at least I'm better than so-and-so. This isn't a new thing. The idea of treating life like a zero-sum game has been going on for, well, since the beginning. I mean, Adam and Eve, both of them, when their faults were exposed, they quickly blamed someone else. But Paul is writing to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and He's pointing out that this idea of scarcity and the way we treat other people had even crept into communion. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse 21. For when the time comes to eat, each of you goes ahead with your own supper, and one goes hungry and another becomes drunk. What? Do you not have homes to eat or drink in? Or do you show contempt for the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I commend you in this matter? I do not commend you. They had somehow taken communion to the point where it was first come, first serve. You get there and you take what you want because there's not necessarily going to be enough. And so you make sure you get your share. This is how we operate when we're approaching life through a mentality of scarcity. But what is the opposite of scarcity? It's not actually excess. The opposite of scarcity is enough. The cross is enough. The cross is enough. These are the economics of the gospel. Whatever you are lacking, all of those areas in your life where you're not enough, you take what you're lacking plus Jesus and it equals enough. If you don't believe me, feeding of the 5,000. There wasn't enough food. Zacchaeus, he was not honest enough. Lazarus, he was not alive enough. I don't care what it is that you are lacking. I don't care what area of your life it is not enough. When you bring Jesus into that equation... He meets that need. And sometimes we 
We get used to the fact that, oh, Jesus is the answer, and we sort of downplay that. But I don't want you to miss the point here. When Jesus came in to the feeding of the 5,000, they didn't leave hungry. When Jesus connected with Zacchaeus, he didn't leave dishonest. And when Jesus showed up for Lazarus, he didn't stay dead. So whatever it is in your life where you're not feeling enough, because we all have it, I don't care how many degrees you have, I don't care what your home life is like, we all have areas where we don't feel like we're enough. We all have areas where we are lacking. But no matter what those areas are, the economics of the gospel remain true. Whatever you are lacking, plus Jesus, equals enough. Arlo, as I said, started kindergarten. And it was interesting, the application process and getting him enrolled there in kindergarten at Ruth Murdoch. Would you believe it that nowhere in that process did they ever look at his bank account? I know, they just really went out on a limb, accepted him in not knowing if he could pay or not. Of course they didn't look at his bank account. Because... Ruth Murdoch Elementary School understands that it doesn't matter how much money a kindergartner has in their account because the parents are the one paying the bill. As we operate with a mentality of scarcity, it's like looking at kindergartners' bank accounts. We look at the areas where we're short forgetting that Jesus has already paid it on the cross. As we celebrate communion, as we remember what Jesus has already done for us, I invite you, let's stop living in a world of scarcity. We have a God who has already died for us. We have a God who can speak things into existence. There's no logical reason for us to continue living like life is a zero-sum game because it's not. I can win and you can win because Jesus already paid the price. So not only should it change the way we see ourselves It should also change the way we see others. It doesn't make sense for us to continue pointing out the faults in each other. It doesn't make sense for us to notice everyone else's shortcomings. Because in light of the cross... 
They don't matter. It, it doesn't make sense for us to continue looking at kindergartners' bank accounts. We don't have to operate with scarcity. I think that as we remember the cross, as we're celebrating what Christ has done, it gives us an opportunity to re-accept him. It's easy in life to get derailed. It's easy to go back to operating through scarcity. We've all done this. We we know this to be true, but yet when we get those emails, when we get those phone calls, It's easy to go back. And so I invite you, as we are celebrating communion, as we're celebrating the cross, as we're celebrating the fact that no matter what we're lacking, 